In this episode, we got my man from E-Town, Edmonton, Alberta, Wayne Hilliard, the real estate investor dad, talking real life shit. Man just jumped in a U-Haul, drove across the country, set his flag up and started his real estate investing journey. You have to listen to this one. Hey, what's going on everyone? Okay, now we're actually broadening our audience and our guests here. So I'm so happy we got Wayne Hillier here from all the way from E-Town. There we go. I got my Oilers jersey on as an <laughs> Edmonton. old e- Edmonton, absolutely. So um, good old Edmonton uh, boy right here, born and raised. Um, so it's awesome actually because I've been watching what Wayne's been doing as a real estate investor. Uh, well, dad, right? I mean, that's is that your, what you go by, right? That's the that's that's the uh, that's the gimmick, yeah. That's the real estate investor dad. I love that. I love that. So, and you know, I just <laughs> maybe I'm just biased because as soon as I heard you were from you know the Edmonton area, I'm like, okay, I gotta we gotta get this guy connected here with us. So this is this is awesome. So, and we're gonna do a two pronged approach here today, which I'm excited about. Um, but um, you know, Wayne, let's let's this is about you, man. So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Oh, real estate investor. Uh, got started investing in 2013 with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, we pride ourselves in being creative real estate investors. Like uh, I was saying to you off the air, that uh, I think I've only got one deal I've ever done where it's just like a standard found a joint venture partner. We bought a property, traditional mortgage. No, like a lot of times, you know, deals just come to me and, and I look at how can I make money off this? How can I help that person to make money? That's the way I like doing it. It keep, you know, it feeds my creative side and, uh, you know, my dad, I'm an investor. Um, it's a family business. We do it Mm -hmm. all together and, and I'm trying to kind of spread that word, spread that theme, um, to get it out there that it is possible to be a parent, to be, you know, have a job during the day and still hustle your way in the evening and build something real big. Absolutely. Well, this is going to be awesome because you're going to be my Dr. Phil today on this, on this interview, because <laughs> I, that's always a struggle. I'm always having, you know, I got four kids, um, five, if you include a dog that is just oh, a little Yorkie poo that I'm surprised he's not barking right now. Thanks yeah. to the Rottweiler. So we're, we're busy and then uh, just dealing with some other crap. Um, but, um, so before we get to the whole side of the real estate investing, so you're, you're talking off air. So you jumped in a vehicle from St. Catharines in a yep. U-Haul, drove out to Alberta for the Alberta dream. I did the other thing, which is, so you went there in 2013. In 2000, uh, 2008. Oh, 2008. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. Sorry about that. I was at, started investing in 2013. So, yeah. So I did the opposite. So in 2011, mm-hmm. uh, I jumped on a plane and moved to Chicago. And then from Chicago, I moved then back to, uh, to Canada and chose London as my, as my spot. So, um, and, um, I don't want to get into politics and that kind of stuff, but I didn't want to go to the Alberta nightmare with the NDP going in. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, but um, so you're the, we were talking, you live in Millwoods. So I yep. love, so Millwoods, for those that don't know anything about Edmonton, and if those are going to be watching this, so, you know, of course I go by Mark Smith. I don't look like a Mark Smith. Wayne Hillier looks like a Wayne Hillier. <laughs> don't spill your coffee there. <laughs> in Mill Woods, in Mill Woods, like when I grew up in Mill Woods, I mean, that was like gangster town, right? Like that was, there was like the drive-bys and this is Edmonton. So a drive-by for us is like once every year. 
but still, yeah. it's still a big deal in Edmonton, right? Um, large immigration flux, right? Uh, primarily from the Indian descent. Yeah. Um, I, on the other hand, grew up in, uh, in uh, the east side, so northeast. So that was also the hood, but that yeah. was more like, you know, social assistance side. There was a lot of uh, bad stuff happening. Um, but I think that's where I got a lot of my thick skin was just living in, in Clearview, uh, Clearview for life, as I say, yeah. right? So, so it's a pretty, pretty fascinating, but it's nice to hear Millwood's has sort of cleaned up its act. I'm sure they all moved to Clearview now, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's, there's still little pockets. Everybody knows, you know, which kind of neighborhood stand, but man, the neighborhoods I've lived in Millwood's, they're, they're quiet. They don't, awesome. a lot of original owners from the eighties. I, I love it. And I invest mostly in Millwood's too, so sure. I can keep an eye on all my properties. Absolutely. Like I remember, I remember in, uh, in 1987, Edmonton got hit with this uh, F4 tornado. It was Black yeah. Friday and it completely destroyed Millwoods. Like it was like, I remember all that. Like it was just like, I just get chills thinking about that. Cause I, cause I was living in Clearview at the time. And after yeah. it hit Millwoods, it's, it's like it wanted to hit the shitty areas of town and then jumped over the city. And then it had to hit Edmonton or the Northeast Edmonton. So Clearview, Fraser and that kind of stuff. And it decided to take out a trailer park after. So yeah. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, let's get to this, man. So what's your story? Like, what's, where did you start bef before you got into the real estate investing side? Like, what was that shift? So 2008, mm. walk me through 2008 to 2013. Uh, 2008, you know what? Um, you know, I'll start back in St. Catharines. I was, sure. uh, I just dropped out of college. Um, I was going to be an accountant. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I like numbers. I like math. I thought it'd be fun, but um, I didn't like school. Um and so I went full-time pumping gas and yeah, 30 hours a week and just struggling. And I was ironically playing a lot of online poker in the evenings mm -hmm. and that was just my life. I'd just go pump gas and I go home and play poker. And then, uh, you know, I, I finished playing a game one night and uh, you kind of have that moment like that, like that seven, two moment, that breakthrough moment where you're like, mm -hmm. fuck, everybody else around me is moving. I'm not doing anything. I have no prospects. This is, and, and, and to be honest, I don't want to get too far into like, you know, family and friends tend to hold you back too, mm -hmm. from, from growing, you know, from, from being something. I, I knew I could be something more, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, everyone's image of me, everyone's thought of me, it kind of prevented it from that, prevented me from growing. So I actually, um, the guy that was on night shift at my gas station had just come back from Alberta. He was living up in Fort Saskatchewan. He went out for the Alberta dream. He left mm -hmm. and he went out with his wife and made tens of thousands of dollars and he was doing amazing. And then, well, I mean, it's a long story, but his girlfriend ended up spending all the money and he had to come back. He was broke, but he was back on that night shift. And, you know, I'm like, it's two o'clock in the morning. Fuck this. I'm going down to the gas station. I want to mm -hmm. find out what this Alberta is all about. So I went and chatted yeah. with him till five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And stayed up till about seven, eight o'clock in the morning after that and went and, uh, you know, booked the U-Haul, booked everything. And I was gone in a week and a half. And I just said, fuck this. I'm just going to go. No place to live. No job. I'm just going to fucking do it and put, you know, start something for myself. And that's, that's ultimately how it kind of started. And then just one step after another, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you go, you find the job, you know, two weeks later, I met my wife. She was my neighbor. Uh, and, you know, we stayed together. You know, we've been together every day ever since. And uh, we just started growing and growing and growing. And she, she supports me and I support her. And then it was, yeah, it was about 2012, 2013, where I had a conversation with someone at work because I just got all my tickets. Um, I, I do welding inspections. Okay. And I just got all my tickets and I'm like, this isn't, uh, I've reached my, my limit. There's nowhere else right. I could go other than management in this company. So I need something more. I have to keep sure, growing. Yeah. yeah. And um, I met someone at work 
uh, where they were talking about investments. And he said he invested in real estate. I said, I wonder that. And, uh, you know, he, he handed me a book and he yeah. kind of pointed me in a direction. And then I just started Googling the fuck out of it for the next 16 months. I spent three years wasting a lot of time. You know what I mean? Just analysis paralysis, just yeah. trying to find free content online. It didn't really work out. And then I eventually joined some groups, bought a property. Rest is history. We, uh, we just, just exploded after that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's awesome. So I'm probably going to get some hate uh, messages after this, but I, I, <laughs> I love it because you pulled a Gary V. You really want to learn how to swim. You jump in a deep end. You just said, fucking burn the bridges, dudes. man. Let's go burn the ships, right? I mean, so one of my mentors, Ben Mershon, he's one of his one of his his members of his mastermind, um, Judge Graham. Is it Judge Graham? No, it's um, Matt Monero, I think it is. And he has uh, burn the ships. That's his big thing, yeah. right? So successful business people and so forth. So, but I mean, that's it's so true. I mean, you're either in it or you're not. I mean, really, real estate investing shouldn't be a hobby. It's either you're doing it or you're not. Hobbies become mm -hmm. very expensive lessons. Secondly, um, uh, you know, for those that are religious on here, I apologize, but I love how you did covet the neighbor. Uh, <laughs> uh, so good job there. Uh, if for this joke, people don't, don't come after me. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, um, well, that's awesome. And then, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, Alberta in 2008, 2000, even 2000, Right till 2010, I mean, 2011, it was the dream. I mean, shit, I mean, there was like so much money. You could print, you could write, basically write your own paycheck. I mean, people were from all over Canada, were fly, like Newfoundland. They would actually create a direct flight from St. John's, Newfoundland, all yep. the way to Fort McMurray. And um, I mean, the good old uh, rig pigs, you know, they would go out there and uh, that was a, the slang for them. Yeah. They'd go out there um, and they'd make a shit ton of money. I mean, uh, some of the guys I knew were bringing in $250,000 a year. Yeah, but again, man. it went back to the same practice that they don't teach. Whether you went there and make $250,000 or you went to high school um, anywhere, they're not going to teach you how to manage that money. So a lot of those people that went out there, they actually came out worse because no one ever taught them how to manage the money. So mm -hmm. I knew a lot of people when after 2011 that were up there in, in, in the bush, they came back and they lost all more than, more than anything else because they – well – it was the perfect storm, right? They didn't have the, the, the credit, the knowledgeable credit. They were spending money like nobody's business um, mm -hmm. Two, a bad hand. The fires that hit St. Uh, the, the bad fires that had that hit Fort McMurray, people lost yeah. their homes. It was devastating. Um, but again, I mean, yeah, it was um, the, the money you could just print it. And it was just nuts. Just the volume of dollars. I mean, Alberta hat was the, was the hotbed and um, it was the place to be. It was a half province. And I say has was a has province. <laughs> I remember, um, I can't remember what year it was. It was Ralph Klein. Um, he actually had given everybody a $500 check if you were just born or lived in Alberta. So I remember those, Ralph Bucks or Klein Ralph Bucks or something yeah, like Klein, that. Yeah, Klein Bucks or Ralph Bucks. I'm not sure. I wasn't um, around for that, but I, you know, a lot of people talk about it. Oh yeah. Was, when the people from Toronto used to call us fuck bucks, but anyways, they were so <laughs> angry about that. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, everybody would got $500 in your household. So it was tax free, two grand. Boom. Yeah. Uh, of course it was a great, way to vote but anyways make a long <laughs> it was it was good right reason to vote so okay so so you said your 17 moment was that 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 moment right and so how did you know it had to be like okay so you said there was a book what was that book first of all uh real estate investing in canada by don campbell that's a great book yeah that's one that really goes like a lot of people don't talk about that book it's usually rich dad it's Actually, 99% is Rich Dad Poor Dad, where he yeah. opens the door. Um, but I think that's a fantastic book. I've read that book actually on a couple of occasions. Um, 
So yeah, I go back to it a couple of times. Yeah. It's good, right? Like recalibrate. Absolutely. It's a nice reset, right? Um, so you read that book, then what did you do? Like why real estate? Like what, what happened there? Why real estate? Uh, you know what? I, I wanted to be in control. Um, you know, I've, I've been in control of my life so far. I, I didn't, I didn't like the idea of, of giving my money to someone else and just hoping that it would turn out. Okay. Also, I didn't have any money. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was mm-hmm. a two part, but, um, I never liked the idea of just giving my money to someone and just hoping that they would take care of it. At least if I invest in real estate, if I do good or if I fuck up, it's on me full accountability. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And if my tenants trash place, that's on me. It's not on someone else. And, and it's all about just taking full accountability. Mm-hmm. And that's what I liked about it. And I also mm-hmm. like the fact that there's a lot of creative ways to, to acquire real estate mm-hmm. um, and not have to have all the money. You want to buy a $300,000 stock, it's $300,000. You want to right. buy a $300,000 house, you can get it for a lot cheaper, right? You can leverage a mortgage or somebody else's money, right? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, what absolutely. I loved about it once I figured that out. Absolutely. What's so yeah. true is, is you talk about the stock analogy because... You look at some very expensive stock, and I'm not talking what the price of that stock is, but really their 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 was it profit or earnings or PE ratio, right? Yeah. Um, and people will say, "Oh, go buy this stock because it's this." And the PE ratio, when you really look at it, look at the numbers, it's like you know, a thousand fold what it really should be. Yeah. You're not going to be buying a house that's going to be a thousand fold the, the price. It's going to be the market price, and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. So real estate still is the safest bet, no matter what people say. And I mean in the stock market, you're just buying an asset and you're hoping that it appreciates, right? That's just a one, that's one piece of the investment in real estate. You have the asset that can appreciate or depreciate. Plus you've got mortgage pay down. Plus you've got cash flow. Like there's, it's, it's way safer. There's way more ways to make money. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it goes up in value, fantastic. And guess what? Real estate always goes up in value in the long yeah. run. So long as you're not selling. Right. Absolutely. And it's the land, right? So one of my, one of my uh, peers, uh, Jeff Weibel here in London, amazing uh, real estate agent. Uh, he's an investor savvy himself and my man, uh, Cloud, uh, as well. They always say it's like a piece of land with a cardboard box on there. Yeah. You got to look at it as land and it's a long game. I mean, that's what it is. And, and, and so that's, what's going to be key. So anyways, in my opinion, so it's interesting because you shall ask me, uh, you know, my guess, when was your first purchase, but you've, you're creative. So you've, so walk me, walk me through this because this is unique. So, cause I mean, this is, cause I want you to take this from the beginning to your first investment type of thing within real estate investing to essentially where you are today. Uh, you know, I bought the first one and, uh, it was a suite of property or a suite of property. Uh, it was a duplex with a basement suite in it. And the, the realtor told me it was a, it was legal, but it wasn't. Um, so that was, that was a big mistake, but, yeah. um, you know, our first three tenants we had to go to court with. Um, so that really, it really slowed us down. We had to, we had to learn really quickly how to be landlords. We had to learn really quickly, um, how to protect ourselves going forward. Mm-hmm. And that really slowed us down for the first year or two. And then we learned how to start buying properties with little to no money down. And then as soon as we figured that out, like everything changed, like we were able to go out and find properties. It's not very popular in Ontario, but there's, there's a strategy in, in, in Alberta and BC called the uh, agreement for sale. And it's almost like a VTB, except the, the owner keeps their name on title. That's the only real difference. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Once we figured out how to do that, we started acquiring a crap ton of properties, brought in JV partners and it just exploded. Mm-hmm. So you're still getting owner financing then? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The first uh, couple we bought had zero money down. And I mean, we got seven year deals, we got 10 year deals, but they hold the financing. 
mm-hmm. we turned them into uh, well, we uh, what we ultimately did was we we paired them with rent to own. So we helped someone out of a property, and then we helped someone into a property at the same time. So now we got long term, seven year, ten year rent to owns, which. I know a lot of people are going to say this sounds crazy, but you know, it's an affordable solution for people because not a lot of rent to own prospects have. Well, is it crazy? Because a lot of people are probably wondering, I wish I had a rent to own right now because you're whatever price that you say that compared to what it could be when the dust settles with this, you're in a good spot. So absolutely. And it's affordable for them. You know, they can, they can get into it for a little less money down. A lot of people, they want to do the two to three year rent to owns and you got to put 15, $20,000 up front. Mm -hmm. It's not a big pool of people that have that available. Right. Of course. you can give them an option to, to get into it for a little cheaper. And then right. the monthly payments are a lot cheaper too. It's, it's actually a more realistic approach and we've had a lot of success with it. Now it's early, I'll mm-hmm. say, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a long rent to own, but uh, we've had a lot of success and I see it as a, as a long-term tenant that takes care of all the maintenance and repairs and no vacancies. That's the way I look at it. That's great. You know, and I think you're definitely onto something there because in Alberta, when you know when you look at the price of of, of a, a barrel of oil now, and Alberta is so heavily vested in in, in gas and oil, yeah. You look at how the previous government, and again, not a politics thing, but how they completely disintegrated what Alberta was. Mm-hmm. Credit, like I think there was something I read, the number of delinquencies and credit effect, uh, like like bad credit in Alberta, like it actually rose, like it was like like that hockey stick, but even more so, right? Like it was a yeah. straight line. Yeah. Um, so a rent to own is a great strategy for these individuals. So actually it's a great strategy from the, from the pseudo VTB standpoint, but it's mm-hmm. also a fantastic strategy trying to help decent people who've just been played a bad hand to get a home that they like. It's actually, uh, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Actually. I like that. There's, there's so much opportunities here. Like you said, the, if the people that come here, they, you're not taking advantage of people. You're just trying to offer solutions. But a lot of people make a lot of bad decisions. They buy big houses that they can afford when it's booming. They buy that big truck. They buy, you know, the snowmobiles and stuff. And then as soon as things change, instantly they're selling everything off. Yep. And a lot of times, you know, the values of the properties go down too. They got no equity in the house, right? So yep. I can help them get out of that situation. At the same time, those same people on the other side are mm-hmm. trying to get into a house now because they don't want to be renters. Right. 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 So there's, right. there's huge opportunities here. Um and I wish people would make better decisions, but they just, <laughs> they don't. Yeah, they don't. And unfortunately that's just, that's just human nature. Right. So, yeah. and, um, so now I'm interested to know, because in, in Ontario, we have what's called the land and tenant board and mm-hmm. it's depend who you speak to and a majority will attest to this. It's actually slanted in favor of the tenant. Mm-hmm. Like there's no argument, right? It, it's just, it's, it's all shit. Your laws man. suck. They are. They, it's like it's like, hey, you can rent here, and guess what? You're entitled to stay in here as long as you want. Mm-hmm. So you know, and so you know, fortunately, all my tenants have been fantastic, except for one. So when I look at my tenant profiles, um, all my tenants have been amazing. They pay their rent on time. If they're running a little trouble, they're the first to communicate to me, saying, "Hey, this is can we work something out?" Absolutely, I'm all for it. Like, let's. I'm all about communication. If you, if you hide or run away from it, then, then, then we got a problem. Right. So, you know, and I know one of my tenants, I mean, I think their household income is like $150,000 a year. They've been rent on, like they've been like late for two or three times um, just to be like their own power move. And this whole COVID shit happens. The people that I would expect that wouldn't be able to pay their rent and come to me and saying, can we do something? They were like, no, we got you. We understand you got a mortgage. Those, those people, I mean, the entitlement, 
you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's really frustrating. So now we've got to wait this light time. But I'm like, if it was anybody else, I'd say, okay, I understand the circumstance. Here, I, I sent out an N4 right away and I said, there's a letter. Here's the COVID-19. I understand whatever it is. But yeah, no, no, like it, it's, it's ridiculous. But going back to the laws, Alberta has it right. They protect the people that are putting the skin in the game. I think it's, I think it's very equal and I think it's very fair. Um, you know, there are still a lot of ways that the tenants can take advantage of the system, which is totally fine. But I find that it's a lot more fair than say the other provinces. Um, it's it's still a pain in the ass. Still take you three, four months to get the tenant out. If, if, uh, if they're cheating the system, if they know how to do it, but you know what, you walk into that, 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 that room at the, they call it the, the residential tenancy dispute resolution service. It's, it's, it's an adjudicator. They sit you in a room at a long table with a, with a judge. Right. And uh, if you've got all your facts in a row and you document all of your stuff through email, mm-hmm. it's very simple. Like yeah. the act is the act. Did you do what you're supposed to do? Yes. Okay. Did you do it? No. Like it's very, very simple. If you yeah. follow the rules and, 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 you, and you have good documentation, mm-hmm. there's, it's not really up for interpretation very much. Wow. Unless, unless, of course, both parties didn't do what they were supposed to do. But then course. they kind of take, use their own discretion. But, uh, you know, we've been there three times, like I said, the first three tenants and, uh, we won each time because, you know, we've been doing it right. We had good documentation yeah. and it's fair. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It has to be fair. It has to be fair. Like if any, if anything, and this is again, just simply my personal opinion with the housing crisis that we're faced with and outside of what's happened in the last two weeks, like in Ontario, like look at the Vancouver, look at the, the skyrocketing prices of property as a whole. Yeah. I mean, if anything, us as investors are actually you know, flattening the curve, so to speak. So there's less homeless people. Right. And, and then the other side is like, well, we're not protected, which is, uh, which can be, yeah, that's a whole other 10 podcasts in one. So we want to go there. <laughs> you so. know what, but you got to treat it like a business though, right? It's, it's not just a passive thing where you just got an old, you know, an old condo and I'm a landlord now. Like if you got a good reserve fund, right. And you got yep. good cash flow. Yep. you'll be fine, right? It's yep. going to suck. You're going to take a dip in your reserve, but you're going to get your money back eventually. It might it's take a couple years, couple months, Absolutely. but uh, you know, not treating it like a business. Those are the people that get burnt. Those are the guys that turn into uncle Larry that, you know, Oh, I had a condo and they trashed it and I had to sell it. I lost a hundred thousand dollars. Everybody's got an uncle Larry, right? <laughs> well, uncle, Larry had, uncle Larry has amazing hobbies. And one of them, yeah. he tried real estate. It wasn't a good hobby, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah, man. So what would be your biggest mistake in real estate investing thus far? You know what? <laughs> I don't want to sound cocky, but like I really, we've we've have made many mistakes. Uh, it, it sounds cocky, uh, as much no, as it's I not try cocky. Not it's to. confidence. But you know, maybe it's just the way that I look at them, too. Um, you know, real estate investing is a people business. You're relying on a lot of different people. You're relying on mm-hmm. your tenants. You're relying on your broker. You're relying on your real estate agent, seller. You know, there's a lot of different people that, as much as you want to be in control of it you're relying on a lot of people and you can only rely on other people so much. Um, mm-hmm. So things do eventually happen that, that you don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the way I look at it is, you know, you adapt, you try and do the best you can. There's nothing much else I could have done. Right. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. take it as a lesson, you move on. Sure. And I've had many lessons where I've, you know, I've done things and the, the outcomes didn't match what I wanted them to be, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you look at it, you shrug your shoulders that I do everything I could. Yeah. Okay. Move on right? There's no sense in letting it slow you down. Just make a decision, go. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, that's great. Cause no I mean, regrets. No regrets. That's the thing, right? Like we're all, we're all learning through this process. And so, you I mean, you, you, you pride yourself on being the creative real estate investor. So 
anytime you're trying to think of out of box ideas, there's always going to be more, I don't say risk in terms of mm -hmm. losing money, but more risk in that. How do you acquire property? It's probably going to be more naysayers and that kind of stuff. So can you walk me through some of your concepts for creative investing? Concepts. Uh, well, the main one that we, that we like to focus on is agreement for sales. Like I said, it's pretty popular out here, not so popular in Ontario. Um, and then, uh, we normally sandwich those with rent to owns lease options, right? Okay. Um, so a lot of times, like I said, we can get into a property where the seller is holding the mortgage and the title, mm -hmm. right? And then what I'll do is I'll find a rent to own buyer who comes in with a deposit and they basically stay in for the whole term that I got that seller financing for. So I acquire mm -hmm. a property, put a person in, and then I just overlook it. Right. And then seven, five years down the road, I collect my profits. Um, you know, we also done VTBs as well. Uh, mm -hmm. whenever there's, whenever there's some equity in the properties that we're looking at, mm -hmm. um, and then joint ventures. Um, a lot of times what we'll do is once we got that deal done, we'll bring in someone to kind of cover the finances for that deal. You know, mm -hmm. might be closing costs, might be a little bit of a reserve, Hey, $20,000, I'll pitch you into this deal. Okay, right. cool. So is your, is your investing strategy more on the, on the passive side then, would you say? Are you doing flips at all? Are you doing wholesaling? Are you doing any wholesaling? Or is it more on the passive side? I haven't done any wholesaling. I've, I've assigned a couple agreement for sale contracts. Okay. Um, but, you know, just with having a family, that's a young man's game. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. a, that's a hustle game. The, the bandit signs, you know, the cold call and that kind of stuff. I don't... I. I can't do that all day, then go spend the whole evening away from my family, just sure. looking at houses. So I rely on a lot of wholesalers to bring me deals. Mm -hmm. um, I rely on those opportunities to come to me. Um, we have done flips, but flips to ourselves, the burst strategy. So okay, normally, yeah. um, another part of our business last couple of years has been adding secondary suites and then just refinancing them, adding them to our portfolio. Nice, nice. How is the city of Edmonton when it comes to secondary dwelling conversions and uh, duplex? Are they pretty easy? Because I know here in London, Oh man, you have a you have a better chance trying to get one of their kids out of there. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's very popular here. It is the number one strategy that everyone's doing because it's the the figures are very um, reliable. You can always rely on those ARVs, and and so yeah. long as you're buying at the right price and you know what your comparables are, it's very easy to do. Um, as far as permitting goes, the permits take quite a while. They take anywhere from six to nine weeks. So okay. when you acquire a property and, and all you can do is get down to the studs and excavate for plumbing and then you got to wait six weeks, yeah. it's a little costly. So of most of these, most of these uh, conversions are taken four to five months just because mm -hmm. of the, the permitting process. Okay. But it's, like I said, it's very rep, uh, rep, rep, <laughs> you can repeat it. You can repeat yeah, it very repeatable. easily. Yeah, 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 you're saying absolutely no problem, man. That's good. So, you know, the one question I'm going to ask though is COVID-19. Mm. How are you adapting to COVID-19? Cause real estate three weeks ago is a very different, actually, no, let me, let me rephrase that. In Ontario, real estate was a different beast three years, uh, three months, uh, sorry, three months, three weeks ago, because this is a hot market. It truly is a seller's market versus a mm. buyer's market. And we've seen this, we're seeing a pivot now. Alberta has been, what I understand, a, a more so a buyer's market in the last couple of years. Yeah. So, can, so what's happening in Alberta now with COVID and this? So. Oh, I don't know, man. I wish I had a good answer. I mean, everybody's trying to adapt. A lot of people are cowering in the corner and just kind of holding off, waiting to see what happens. Some people are buying, but if you don't got anyone to, to if you don't have an exit strategy, you know what I mean? You don't know what your ARV is going to be. You don't know mm -hmm. if you can flip that property. Like no one's flipping right now because 
no one knows if values are going to drop. No one knows if people are going to be buying properties next little while. Right. See, I, see, I disagree with you. I think there's a lot of people flipping. They're flipping out. <laughs> I'm still <joking. laughs> bad joke. That's a bad, bad joke. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, like I, I had a big plan. Uh, you know, we've got a bunch of cash in the bank right now and we're just waiting to do, you know, some flips to ourselves. And then right. this shit came out and I'm yeah. trying not to be, you told me I could swear. I'm not trying not to be a little scared bitch, but uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not pulling the trigger. I am, I am a little scared. I, I don't know. And that's the uncertainties kind of, kind of slow me down a little bit. But uh, I was just talking to my wife this week and I'm like, fuck, we got to buy a house. We got to mm-hmm. buy something. Like mm-hmm. I've already got a pre-approval and you know, done. Like let's go buy a house Yeah, and we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, well, I you did it already. Things. Like you did it. You jumped in a car not knowing what you're going to walk, get, you know, yeah. look, look where you are today. So not, not trying to give you advice here because I don't need to sue my ass, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, like for me, I, I'm playing the seven, two right now all day long. I'm going mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm playing hard with the seven, two right now, because you know what? People are taking their chips and are walking off the table. And if I could just get a, a, a you know, a two sevens, I have a good chance of winning at that table. Um, and that's what I'm doing right now is I'm keeping my legs moving. Um, personally here, I, I've, you know, I have, I have a property, I'm doing an Airbnb. I'm still all in with the Airbnb. It's a, like you said, it's a business. So you're yeah. going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs, but what's that trend? Exactly. Right now, everybody has different, um, you know, what they're comfortable and so forth. Uh, I'm actually, you know, I'm hungry as hell. I'm hungry yeah. as hell. Now, am I going to make a stupid decision? No, I'm not going to go buy a pre-construction. I'm not going to go buy a property that's over $500,000. I'm going to be in that window where, you know, two, $300,000 property I'm going to be looking at because I lived when I was in Edmonton and I moved to Chicago. When I moved to Chicago, I experienced what was happening during that, that market crash. And so I, the, the houses that were protected and, you know, maybe had a small drop were those houses that were for the starter homes. Mm-hmm. They had, the, the big multi-million dollar properties, million dollar homes, they're the ones that got completely, you know, gutted. Right. Yeah. Because, um, <clears throat> there was, um, just people were overextended. And then what we, what, what I also saw happen, Wayne, was those homes that would typically rent for about $1,500 a month. Well, now you had, you know, professionals that could not get credit because of they'd have to rent. And what that do- did was it actually pushed up the rent of these smaller homes. So you could have a 2000 square foot home that was renting for $4,500. Yeah. Crazy. It's, it's unbelievable. Right. And, and you know what, on that point, you know, I just had a conversation with one of my JV partners. Um, you know, we closed on a property and we're getting possession in a couple of weeks and he's, he called me up and he's freaking out. He's like, no one's going to want to rent. No one's going to run a rent. And I'm like, dude, they're not going to buy. Like no one's going to move out, you know, and start living in tents. They have to rent. And I said, and the, the reason why I love the suite of properties is they're at an affordable price point, right? You're not talking about $1,800 a month for a house. Because if everyone lost their jobs and they're all on $2,000 a month on EI, they're not going to be yeah. able to afford that. Exactly. But they might be able to afford those $900 or $1,000 units, right? So everyone's going to be flocking to those basement suites and main floor suites. So we're actually in a great position, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we got good affordable properties. We know where it's going. Yeah, it might be a little hard. We might have a month or two of vacancy, but we're mm-hmm. prepared. We got a strong reserve, right? We got good cash flow. We're good. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm not too afraid of COVID from the rental side. Mm-hmm. I'm just afraid of taking action and buying properties and not knowing what the outcomes are going to be. Sure. A little bit riskier, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes you just got to go all in and, and, yeah. and what's the worst that can happen to break even. That's what I love about real estate, man. You have to really fucking try to lose money. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You have yeah, to really sure. try. You have to be yeah. fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, a lot of people are going to argue with that, but you know what? You got mortgage paid on, you got cash flow. You know, if you're, if you're buying rights, it's really hard. Yeah. I think, and like I said, I mean, if you're, if you're cautious and you know, you're like, you don't want to be over leveraged and that kind of stuff. And I think more than ever is where you need to have that proper coaching. If you're, if this, if there's any time you want to invest in a real estate coach, that's, you want to invest in a coach that's been through these times. Yeah. Right. Because that's going to be key. And now's the time to get ready for the kill. That's yeah. what's going to happen. Right. So, and that's the same thing for me. Like I've seen a pivot Wayne where three weeks ago, everybody and everybody wanted to buy a property and that property actually had to be vacant and was willing to pay a wholesaler more or a property owner more if that property was going to be vacant. Yeah. I pivoted and guess what? I'm looking for properties that have tenants in there and I don't give a shit if they're under rented because they're, they're not going to screw up. <laughs> number one. Number yeah. two is if they're under rented, likely getting social assistance of some sort. Well, the government's not going to pull the plug on that. Right. We don't know what's going to happen in, you know, when this all dies down, we don't even know, like people are guaranteed their jobs back, but they're definitely not guaranteed their income mm -hmm. here in Ontario. Right. So what does that mean? Is people going to say it's actually cheaper for them just to stay on EI because they're making more money than they're actually going to be at their job. We just don't know what's going to happen. So yeah. now I pivoted and I'm like, if there's a tenant, no problem, because now I can squeeze that, that, that seller and saying, leave the tenant in there, but this is the price. Exactly. Exactly. I like that because a lot of people, it's not a big thing for us because you know, you guys have those locked leases that we don't have yeah. you know, at the end of our term, they leave, we don't have to resign with them, but yeah, yeah I, I like getting creative in that sense and, and offering something that other people aren't offering here. A lot of, you know, a, a great example comparable is, you know, a lot of people don't like to rent to pets, uh, people with pets. Fuck rent to people with pets. Just yeah. charge a pet deposit. You know what I mean? Save up those pet fees and allocate it towards the, you know, the 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 fact that you need to replace the carpet a little more often, right? Yeah. But you know, create there's an untapped market of people yeah. who have a bunch of tenants in there and they can't get rid of them. And you come in and you offer them, hey, I'll take this problem off of your hands, mm -hmm. but here's what I need. And that's just that's that's terms right there. I Creativity, love man. with terms, man. Absolutely, that's where the Quit power focusing is. Focusing on price. Quit focusing on fucking price. Exactly. Well, that's the thing I say. Is like, you know, three weeks ago, maybe cash was king. It's mm -hmm. it's creativity is king now. That's my mantra right now. It's all about creativity. You know, if some if an owner wants to sell their property, and I'll be honest with them, saying if you want the price that you could have got a month ago, I'll give it to you. But these are my terms. Give yeah. me a VTB at ninety five. You know go down the list. If you want what you want, I have no problem doing it for you, but this is what I want. Yeah, exactly. Or, or I'll just put, I'll just put an offer and I'll lowball the fuck out of it. You better take it because that's what's going to happen. But that's not my game. That's not my game. My game is fostering relationships. That's what I want to do. Right. That's, that's the thing Like this is again, a long game. So yeah, very, very interesting times, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, this, well, I can just say, I mean, this is probably the worst we're ever going to deal with in our lifetime. Hope so. So that's, well, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't get any worse, but you know what? It's not that bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll get through it. Um, I'm, I'm actually more scared. You know what I'm more scared about, to be honest with you, Wayne, is the ramifications mm -hmm. of printing all this money. Oh, when you, fuck. this is, this is our version of quantitative easing and our, our gotta, own children, grandchildren are going to, are going to be feeling the wind. Like how much, you can't just get this money out of a hole. I mean, they have to make it. I yeah. mean, we just don't know what's going to happen and you just can't. And at, at the end of the day, we all got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And how do we pay for it? Taxes. Yeah. So anyways, again, I don't have a crystal ball, but history does re repeat itself. So I'm glad that I own hard assets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
rather than just just fucking fake assets right a piece of paper yeah so i i own something physical and i I have even if the world goes upside down at least i know i'm going to be at the top of that hill right yeah absolutely the way i look at it i mean that's it's outside of your control right Mm -hmm. no regrets like what do you do what do you do You're, you're you're damned regardless well life's biggest risk isn't taking one right mm-hmm. that's what it is so you can't have regrets so so if you could tell someone like a new investor because you have what 21 doors right now yep okay yep. so if you could tell a new investor or someone thinking about getting started what would be your counsel if they came to you today based on what we're dealing with well fuck if you're young just go all in you know what i mean get a credit card I, yeah i'm gonna get criticized for this get a credit card get a coach you know what i mean like don't waste three four years like i did just trying to find free stuff on the internet Granted, it is a lot. There's a lot of good free stuff you can get these days on the internet, but it's not enough, right? How do I do rent to own? You're gonna find like a couple sentences. They're gonna mm-hmm. get you interested, but you can't take action because you don't have all of it because they want mm-hmm. you to pay for their course, right? Mm-hmm. Just pay for the fucking course, right? Just yeah. get it done, figure it out. You're gonna make way more money in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're a little bit older like me, um, you know, you're in your 30s, in your 40s, get your spouse on board. Mm-hmm. You, Absolutely. You, you can't do it on your own. And and it's not just a matter of workload. It's, it's, it's the stress load. You know what I mean? Like when I come home, cause I've been dealing with something, you're going to deal with stuff. Mm -hmm. You got to have someone that you can rely on just to just talk it through. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. You know, and, and that was one of my, one of my coaches, uh, Ben Rosan had, you know, humble CEO and his wife, Dre is because, you know, the trajectory that he was at. And then she talks about where she was at. And if, and if you're, if you're projecting like this and the people with you are here, it creates a gap. So you need to have someone that, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, fuck, like, just, just think about growing that, that far and, and, and having that drive like we do, right? You just want to fucking go. And then you come home and like, hon, I did this, or I did this, I did this. And she's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Fuck that feeling right there. And it happens sometimes. And I'm not trying to talk poorly of my wife. She's, she's fantastic. She supports yeah. me, but some days, you know, she doesn't, she's not involved in that deal. Yeah. And she goes, Oh, good job. And I came like, it's kind of like you come home with like, look, mommy, I did this picture. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, that's cute, honey. And you're like, oh, you're yeah. so excited about it. So you need someone to grow with you, to be as excited, you know, to motivate you, to keep you going, to keep pushing you. Absolutely. Um, it's cause fuck, you get one bad day and you'll yeah. be out for two or three days. Just like all moping around the house. Cause that tenant emailed you and said that they're leaving their lease and or yeah. something stupid, right? You got to yeah. stay driven every single day. Absolutely. And, yeah, having a good spouse on board is, is key. A hundred percent. I, I, exactly. I mean, you know, so what I did was, is, you know, I went to some, you know, mastermind events and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I just said, you know what, I need to, I need to get my partner on board because she's supportive, but she needs to understand the mindset. She needs to understand what I'm thinking. So I said, you're coming to the next one. And, you know, I'm not sure if that was a, a curse or not. Now she's pushing me harder than ever. <laughs> <laughs> Take it, buddy. Right? So, um, but, um, so it's good with that. But it, it also your advice to go back, get a credit card and hire a coach. You know, it's so funny because if there's so many, you know, and I get this again from my, from my, co- from my uh, coaches and I have some amazing coaches. I'm very fortunate, like Corey McKinnon, Matt McKeever, Ben Merson. And it's like, we talk about things where about the importance of coaching because I'm 43 years old and I'm emotionally lazy. I've been through hell and back. I'm not going to go. I don't want to stand at the back of the line at a club. I'm going to pay that doorman a hundred bucks to get me in that club. Cause I'm freezing my ass off. I don't have time to wait. 
I need a drink, I need to go in. And same thing goes with this. Instead of waiting and having more expensive mistakes, sitting on the sidelines, having analysis paralysis, or I need velocity. And that velocity is that momentum to break down those walls when they arise and yep. to be able to see an opportunity when they, when they present themselves. And so I'll have some friends of, friends of mine saying, oh, I can't believe you paid that kind of money. It's like, you're in the finance, right? You work for banks, yeah, okay. So if you had an opportunity to spend you know, $30,000 to get season tickets next to Warren Buffett for a season, would you do it? 100%, I'd do whatever it took. Well, this is no different. Yeah. This is no different. Like, you know what, if you want, if you want to, you have to get it to that inner circle. Yeah. And you know, I, I, there was a, a, a great, great speaker um, who has, uh, he's really good at wholesaling, amazing actually, Chris Root. Um, and he's out of uh, Louisiana. And he talks about, you got to buy your friends. And now we're going to get, a, I mean, this episode is probably going to get a lot of criticism. People are going to say, don't buy your friends. What's this guy talking? I'm not talking about my friends. I'm going to sing, sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I'm talking to the ones, the allies. I'm going to buy my allies to get me to what I need to do. And they're going to get the same from me as well. It's a vested interest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if we can rewind back to the credit card thing, just to kind of give everyone a little more value, because there's a lot of negative um, views on credit cards because they're bad. They're 18%, you know, but it's, it's all about using OPM, right? That's yeah. not bad. As long as you're investing debt into something good where you're making money and fuck, like if you got two credit cards, a lot of times they got balance transfers offers, right? So yeah. you put $15,000 on one, you get a balance transfer on this one for 12 months for 3%, transfer it over, right? Yeah sorry, 0% plus 3% fee. Now yeah. you've just transferred that debt to 3% for 12 months. Yeah. You got 12 months to pay it off. Yeah. Worst case scenario, at the end of the 12 months, that other credit probably has a 3% balance transfer. You know what I mean? Just yeah. go back and forth. And to investing yourself at, at a low 3 4%, it's not that bad, right? What's the interest on that $20,000, right? Not 600 bad. bucks for the yeah. end? Fuck, it's peanuts. Yeah. And you're going to make that money back. You're yeah. going to make that $20,600 back in a year if you fucking if you push hard and you actually do what you're supposed to do. Well, I, I spent my student loans were about 50 grand and I think my student loan interest rate was like seven and a half percent. I worked in the field for three fucking months. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so you look back at that, it's like, oh, okay. But, uh, but you're absolutely right. And the thing is, again, I tell people when they want to get into real estate investing, you have to make a decision. Do you want to be a landlord or do you want to be a real estate investor? Oh, that's powerful right, right there. Right. A landlord's going to look at that, putting something on a credit card and say, oh, Oh, 18%. As an investor, it's going to be like, I'm putting, I'm paying 18% on this, but I'm making 31%. What's that net profit? Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm killing it compared to what the stock market's doing right now. I mean, there's a net increase. It's an investor, right? So, and that's the way the shift has to be. Yeah. I mean, people don't get rich by, by buying all cash. I don't think people understand that. They think that people buy businesses and equipment on all cash. No, it's all leveraged. It's all other people's money. You're leveraging someone else's money, you're paying an interest on it and you're yep. making more off of it. Yep. You're collecting the spread. That is business. That is business. Uh, the common people just don't quite understand that. Right. And, it, and it's intimidating. Oh, I don't want to acquire that much debt in mortgages. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a tool. It's a tool. It's a, tool. a vehicle. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, this is, it's, it's currency. That's all it is. It's yeah, currency. It just goes back and forth. And that's the way I look at it. Right. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty fascinating. So as uh, we get to, I mean, this has been awesome. This has been yeah, so man. awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so um, I always ask this question at the end and I always joke about this because I still call it my surprise question. I don't know why, because most people already know what's coming. So, um, uh, which is um, the tombstone question. So have you heard about the tombstone question? No, no. So the tombstone question is basically, 
the day you know we meet the, we meet the uh, we meet the, the man woman whoever's up there the or maker. down there the maker <laughs> exactly. What 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 would people put on their tombstone? What what do you want people to put on their tombstone? Ooh, that's deep. Uh, on my tombstone. Fuck, you put me on the spot. Nothing set in stone. What's that? Nothing is set in stone. Ah, that's like a pun. Yeah, kind of. On, 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 on a, on a, <laughs> that's on a dad a, joke. It's <laughs> a dad joke. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I see that on a on a tombstone, a stone. Yeah. Well, hey. But let's let's just be honest, right? You know, yeah. life is what you make of it. Yeah. Right. Life's full of decisions. Make good ones, right? If you don't, fucking live with them. Nothing set in stone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. And it's, you know, as you're saying this, I'm so um, one of my peers, one of my masterminds, uh, Sean O'Hagan, throw a plug out to him, just an awesome dude. And, you know, we were taught, we'd be part of this mastermind. And of course, because of COVID, we're doing everything virtually on these Zoom calls. Yeah. And anytime um, one of our coaches would, would, you know, go on and talk about one of his books he highly recommends, which is You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure if you've heard it, read it, whatever. Heard of it. Okay. So after this, you better get the audible because I'm telling you, it's just amazing. And so every time I was watching this, I'm seeing this guy, every time this, this audible was mentioned, he's sitting in the background doing these fist pumps. I'm like, I called him after. I'm like, why are you doing that? Like, he goes, trust me, just listen to it. And this guy has been through hell and back. It makes my seven two look like, you know, heaven and what he's done to overcome uh, these things. And it is, you know, you just have to, it's life. It's going to throw challenges at you. You got to seize the moment, take advantage. I mean, and it's, you want to be victorious in the end. Right. So fuck. Yeah. Yeah, man. This is awesome. Thanks a lot for having me, man. I really appreciate it. No this problem. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I have to ask one last question. You're from St. Catharines, moved to Alberta. Who's your favorite hockey team? Uh, you know what? I grew up a Toronto fan and I, I, you know what? I'm an Oilers fan now. There you go. It's, it's more, <laughs> they're both great teams. What the fuck are we talking about? They, they both no, have amazing no, no, teams. No, 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 There's only one great team. It's Edmonton, but that's fine. <laughs> there goes, there goes my five followers. I have a podcast. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks a lot, man. This is awesome. Thanks again. Oh, before I shut this out, like how can people reach out to you? That's the key thing. Like this is what mm. it's all. So what's the best way? We'll put in the show notes too. So, uh, you know what, just Facebook and, and Instagram are the two that I'm on. Um, uh, real estate investor dad on Instagram. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Wayne Hillier, uh, prairiehomeinvestments.com. That's my business. Okay. Uh, and then the podcast as well. Uh, the real estate investor dad, iTunes, Spotify, all of them. They're all, it's all on everything. I swear too much. So they don't put me on iTunes yet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome brother i appreciate your time man this is epic. appreciate it thank you so much